Welcome to Karma Christian Fellowship Church's weekly sermon podcast. All of our sermons are available for listening and download at pcf.church. May God's word enrich you today. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome. So glad that you are able to join us this day. If you're joining in and tuning in typically on a Saturday night, then I welcome you. Get off your couches, get off your chairs, and give me a hallelujah. If you're watching typically on Sunday mornings, then I welcome you as well. You also raise up and give me a hallelujah. Because although we are not present physically, and we haven't been present physically for a few weeks now, we are together in spirit. We are together in spirit. The church buildings may be shut down, but we are not because we are the church. And I promise you this, that this lockdown, this self-quarantine, this isolation, it's not going to last forever. It won't. Because even if, and I hope and pray it doesn't, even if it lasts and goes all throughout the rest of our lives, we have a new creation we're going to. And in that new creation, there is no self-quarantine. In that new creation, there is no isolation. In that new creation, there's a time in which we come together as a community, a time in which we come together to socialize, a time in which we come together to worship and praise God for all eternity. So although this earth presents to us problems and challenges and situations, we need not be overwhelmed by them. We need not be overwhelmed by them. We can be concerned about them. We can confront them, but we need not be overwhelmed. So this day, whatever you're going through, I encourage you, don't be overwhelmed by it. Set your hope, set your focus on Jesus. Set your hope, set your focus on the new creation where there is no trouble and there's peace. This day... This weekend, I am continuing my sermon series on metaphor and reality. Metaphor and reality. We're looking at at various metaphors throughout the Bible that describe a deeper reality that is true for us, in which we exist, in which we experience, in which we engage. Thus far, we have looked at abiding in Christ, being rooted in Christ, being hidden in Christ. In Christ. And last week, my wife gave a Mother's Day message on being carried by Christ. This week and next week ends our series. And this week and next week are actually tied together. This week, I am preaching on being cleansed by Christ, being cleansed by Christ, or being washed by Christ. And today, we're going to explore what that means and the implications for our lives when we are washed by Christ. And then next week, we're going to look at what it means to be clothed by Christ and the implications thereof. And they're tied together because first you wash yourself and then you put on clothing. Today's scripture comes from 1 John chapter 1, the first nine verses. And we're going to specifically focus on verse 7. And before I read, I just want to mention real quick that every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., I hold a Bible study via Zoom. It's called Going Deeper. And this Bible study is a way in which we can go deeper 
on every sermon that is presented every week. It is a way we can dig deeper and discuss it in more in depth. So if you're interested in that, I encourage you every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m., pop on Zoom. The link is on the Facebook page for this church, or you can just private message me. So I hope that finds you well. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your digital equipment with you, please join me in the scripture reading today. Again, it's coming from 1 John chapter 1, the first nine verses. I am reading from the NRSV version. John writes, We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testified to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. In this passage, John states, if we walk in the light, then Jesus will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we walk in the light. What does that mean? What does light mean in this passage? Well, like many words and many phrases, it depends on where you're reading it because different authors have different perspectives and different ways of defining and connoting a particular term, a particular phrase. According to John, in both his gospel and his epistles, light is used in a very specific way. Light is used to refer to Jesus Christ. In fact, in his gospel, he uses an analogy, a reference, a metaphor to describe who Christ is. And that is light. And that metaphor is used more so than any other metaphor, more so than any other reference, more so than any other analogy in his gospel. He refers to Christ as light more than any other word or term throughout his gospel. And there's a reason for that. Light in that day described revelation. It discussed truth. In a very real way, John is stating that Christ is the revelation of God, that Christ is the truth of God, that Christ is the revealer of truth. And this truth isn't mathematical truth. 
It's not scientific truth. It's, so to speak, spiritual truth. Christ reveals who God is, and Christ reveals the ways of God. Christ reveals the kingdom of God. That's how John is using light. And that is much different than how that word was understood during his day. In some ways, he is attempting to reframe how the word light is being used and understood. In that day, light did carry with it the connotation of truth. It carried with it the connotation of knowledge. And in some circles, even cultic circles, it carried with it the idea of the truth of the gods, learning the ways of the gods, learning the hidden realities that the gods exist in, etc., etc. The main difference here, though, is in many of these cultic circles, the light was an abstract concept that a person comes to knowledge of. It's understanding. It's within the mind. In fact, many people like Plato and Aristotle talked about the seed of the mind being the highest realm of a human. And this light wasn't revealed to anybody. Instead, it was a process of self-discovery. You yourself discovered the light through various ways, religious actions, doing this or that, through self-knowledge, through self-betterment. And only a key few could actually possess this special light. Only a few people could truly discover this truth, discover this knowledge. In that sense, in their day, light was an inherent human characteristic. I am lucky enough to be that one person that is able to discover the light, to discover the truth, to discover the knowledge. And now because I have the understanding of this concept or philosophy, I now know who the gods are. I now know the ways of the gods. But John uses light different. For him... Light isn't a concept, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And light isn't just for a select few to possess, but for all people. And light isn't a process of self-discovery, but rather revelation. It's not human discovering the light, rather it's God revealing the light. What we as humans do then is sit back and experience and listen and accept the light. God reveals the light. And we listen. Moreover, you can't walk unless there is light. We can only walk because that true light doth shine forth. The way that John uses walking in this passage references the new life in Christ. A person living out a new life in Christ. It is living according to God. It is living according to God's ways. It is living according to being in fellowship with God. That's what it means to be walking in the light. Or to be walking in fellowship with Christ. To be walking in relationship 
with Christ because Christ is the light. And one cannot walk unless light is present. Thus, it is only by being in the presence of God, only by being in relation to God, can one truly live out their life according to God and live out their life according to God's ways. And when we do this, when we walk in the light, when we walk in fellowship with Christ, when we walk with Christ, two outcomes occur. The first outcome is that we have fellowship with one another. The second outcome that John describes is that God cleanses us from all unrighteousness or cleanses us from sin. Unrighteousness is sin. God cleanses us from all sin. And that last point is very vital and very important for the Christian and their life. All throughout Scripture, there's a bold message that resonates that tells us that only through Christ can we be saved. There's only one agent of salvation, and that is Him. It doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how good I am, it doesn't matter how good we are, we are all in need of Christ. We are all in need of His salvation because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And all throughout Scripture, this quote unquote salvation, is oftentimes described as being washed or cleansed by Christ. We all know what it is to be washed and cleansed. Think about taking a shower. Think about getting dirty prior to taking that shower. Maybe you're outside cutting wood or gardening. Maybe you're out for a run or doing some other activity that's getting you dirty and your hands get grimy and you got dirt on your hands. Your clothes are dirty. Sweat is pouring on your body. You've been working out there for two or three hours doing whatever activity you're doing. And you say to yourself, I need a shower. I don't smell real good, and I'm very dirty, and I can't go in and <clears throat> eat a meal at the dining table because I could get sick. My hands are dirty. Plus, my family may not want to eat the meal around me since I'm smelling. So you go and decide to take a shower. You grab the soap. You grab <clears throat> the, the water. You put it on a certain temperature. Some like it lukewarm. Some like it hot, whatever. You get in the shower. The water touches you. You scrub the soap. You spend 10 minutes or whatever in your shower. You get out and you're clean. You scrub the dirt off. You cleaned yourself. You washed yourself. You purified yourself. You cleansed yourself. You are no longer dirty. That idea of dirt is oftentimes in Scripture a way to refer to the sin and brokenness of reality the sin and brokenness of humanity, the sin and brokenness of me, the sin and brokenness of you, the sin and brokenness of all of us. Scripture is bold. It's very clear. We're all sinners. We're all dirty, so to speak. And we've all engaged in making reality dirtier. We can sit back and say, that we experience dirt, we experience sin, we can experience brokenness 
in my life. But, but I don't do any of that. I'm a good person and, and I do good things. But scripture says otherwise. We are all dirty. We've all dirtied reality. Every time we've broken relationship with God, every time we've broken relationship with other people, every time we've broken relationship with creation, every time we've broken relationship with each other is a time in which we engaged in sin, a time in which we made this reality more broken. Some people do it more so than others, but we've all engaged in it, and we are all dirty, and we all live in a dirty reality, and we've all dirtied reality, and no matter how hard we scrub, no matter what soap we pick, no matter how hot we turn on the water, we can't clean ourselves. No matter how hard we scrub with self-knowledge, no matter how hard we scrub with self-righteous acts, no matter how hard we scrub with the advancement of technology, no matter how hard we scrub with the advancement of ethics, no matter how hard we scrub at trying to be better and more moral people every single day, we still remain dirty. There is only one cleansing agent that can truly wash us fully, completely of our sin, of our brokenness, of our dirt. And that is Jesus Christ. He alone can wash us. He alone can cleanse us from being dirty. And it's by his sacrifice on the cross, his victory over the grave, that we experience the cleansing and washing of his blood. The cleansing and washing via his sacrifice, via his victory. Now let's go back to the full picture the full statement that John states, if we walk in the light, then God cleanses us from all unrighteousness or cleanses us from all sin or cleanses us all from that dirt. They're connected. Remember, Christ is light. When we walk with Christ, when we have fellowship with Christ, when we have relationship with Christ, when we engage Christ, when we embrace Christ, we experience, we experience the forgiveness and cleansing of God. But it's only through walking with the light, walking with Christ. And when this happens, there's two implications that occur. When we are washed and cleansed by Christ, first, we have power to live lives not controlled by sin. We can live a life washed away from its power and its effects. Maybe not completely, but it's still true. Every one of us sometime in our life has accepted the sacrifice and victory that Christ made some 2,000 years ago, that Christ secured some 2,000 years ago. If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. Each one of us has done that somehow, in some way, in our life. 
And when that day happened, Christ came in our life and started to wash us of the grime and cleanse us of the dirt and wash us of the sin and wash us of our brokenness. And every day since that day, every day since that day, day after day, Christ has been scrubbing away, washing the grime and the dirt and the sin and the brokenness out of us. And it continues every day until the day of our death. And the more we get clean, the more he washes us, the more the world gets washed, the more the world gets cleansed. Because we are no longer agents of dirt, we're agents of purification. Now make no mistake, the source of purification is always Christ. The agent of purification is always Christ. The reason why we can experience the purification and cleansing and washing is because of what Christ did. The reason why the world can experience that is because of what Christ did. In more pithy terms, the washing, it happens both instantaneously and continuously, and it will continue on in our life until the very day we experience the full manifestation of the full cleansing of Christ in the new creation. Number two, the second implication is that we can have peace with God. We can have peace with God. One of the very strong messages in Scripture, especially the Old Testament, is you, me, everybody on earth, we can't be in the presence of God unless you're clean. Only clean people can be in the presence of God. Only clean people can have fellowship with God. Only clean people can have relationship with God. But there's a problem. There's a challenge. Each one of us, as I've mentioned before, we're dirty. Each one of us, we are unclean. And scripture makes it very straightforward, especially in Hebrews chapters 8 through 10. If you get a chance, go read those three chapters. No matter how hard we scrub, no matter what agent we use to scrub with, we will never be clean. We can't make ourselves clean. But there's hope. Because although we can't clean ourselves, Christ can. Via his sacrifice on the cross, via his victory over the grave, He's cleaned us. He's washed us. He's purified us. And because of that, because now we're purified, now we're cleansed, now we're washed, because now we're no longer unclean, because now that we are clean, because of what he did, we can have fellowship with God. We can have relationship with God. We can have peace with God. My friends, my sermon draws near to a close. And as I close, I want to draw our attention to verse 9. I'm actually going to reread it real quickly. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. Now, oftentimes, pastors and preachers and other people will use this verse as a quote-unquote salvation, salvation message. It is a way to draw in people that are not yet saved, that don't have a saving relationship with God, and it's a way to draw them in into that saving relationship. However, I think it's important, I think it's vital to remember that this whole letter, which includes this passage and that verse I just read, it's written to believers. It's written to us. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're unsaved. Rather, I think this verse points to the idea that each and every one of us are in need of Christ on a daily basis. His blood is a necessity. We are in constant need of Christ's saving grace, in constant need of his power, in constant need of him. That doesn't change throughout our lives. And so we go before him every day, confessing our Dirt confessing our need for him to cleanse us because we know that it is only through him that we can experience cleansing. We come before him every day in humility, acknowledging that we are a broken people and that we are in need of him to fix us because he alone can do that. And when we do that, we can experience, not just can, but we do experience the power of grace. We do experience the forgiveness of God. We do experience the washing and cleansing of Christ. Because of that, because of that, we're washed from our sin and we can have fellowship and relationship and peace with God. I end my sermon with these words from the famous hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are we walking daily by the Savior's side? Are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do we rest each moment in the crucified? Are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We are always gracious. You are always gracious toward us. We come before you and we admit that we have fallen short of your glory. We have failed to follow your commands. Without you, we are a dirty people. Without you, we are a broken people. And we confess before you that we have made this world more broken and more dirty in one way or another. And if not for you, we would live in despair. But we praise you and we rejoice in you. For in you there is salvation and in you there is cleansing. So we come before you asking that you wash us and that you cleanse us from the sin that corrupts our nature, that makes us dirty and that creates brokenness in our life and the world around us. 
We acknowledge and admit that you alone are the source and agent of this cleansing. And lastly, we thank you, God. We thank you that it is in this cleansing of which you provide by way of your sacrifice and by the way of your victory that we can have peace and fellowship with you. Thank you, God. We pray this in the almighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.